You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So are you ready to spend a few weeks talking about the book of Jonah? Me too. I remember telling you a story a couple of years ago about uh, a book somebody recommended I read. We actually formed a sermon series around it a couple of years ago. Um, I remember where I was when I first opened the book. I was just out of bed. I was wearing a pair of uh, basketball shorts, a t-shirt, glasses, and my hair was looking mighty fine. I'd rolled out of bed and I was standing over a cured coffee maker and I saw the steam coming off it and the smell of aroma began to fill the kitchen. And I was anxious to sip on that coffee. I downloaded the book onto my phone. The title of the book was called With, W-I-T-H. It was written by a guy named Sky Jatani. And I began to scroll into the first pages and I began to read. I was captivated by the words. Sky Jatani said... That people come to Christianity in their newfound faith with great expectations. With ideas of being intimate with God that are inexpressible. But find themselves often settling for a substitute form of Christianity. When they come to the place of realizing I may not enjoy a deep life with God, feeling close to God, experiencing his presence, they begin to settle for other forms. Maybe I can just do some stuff for God and and that'll be enough. That'll be okay. Or maybe I can be in a transactional relationship with God where if I do these things for God, then God does these things for me. Instead of truly living life in relationship, in intimacy with God. And and he goes on to say, can you really be with God if you're not aligned with God? It's more than simply a matter of saying, you know, in the mornings I'm going to pray maybe. And I'm going to read some of the scripture. I'll spend some time with God. He's talking about truly being aligned with God to where you feel this sense of unity and closeness with God. I had a conversation with a guy on the phone this week who just a few months ago got a really tough diagnosis, a life-threatening disease. And he said, in that moment, the only thing that matters more than everything else is your relationship with God. God and me, are we okay? And so I believe that the only thing that will really satisfy your soul and my soul The only thing is finding ourselves in alignment with God. It's when we lay our head on our pillow at night and say, God and me are good. We're together. You might ask, well, why wouldn't everybody live in alignment with God? I mean, if that's the best life, if that's where you get the best sleep, if that's the best way, why doesn't everybody? Well, it's an age-old problem. It goes back to Genesis 3. God creates Adam and Eve. He places them in the garden and he said, look at what I've made for you. All of this. Enjoy it. Eat. Love it. It's for you. 
And in the cool of the day, God comes into the garden because he wants to be with his people, right? He says, just do whatever you like. Enjoy everything that's here. I put it all here for you. But don't eat from that one tree. It's forbidden. It will destroy our relationship. And Adam and Eve said to themselves, instead of being with God, I think I would rather be God. I want to be in charge. In fact, I want to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it. And right now, that tree on that, fruit on that tree rather, looks really good to me and I'm going to have a bite. And in that moment, everything changed. It's really the definition of sin. And so as we approach the book of Jonah, I feel like there's one penetrating question that we have to answer throughout this season. And it's simply this. What if our desires do not align with God's desires for our lives? What if what God wants for me is not in alignment with what I want for me? What if what God wants me to do is not in alignment with what I want to do? What if what I want for my future is not what God wants for my future? What if how I want to live my life is not in alignment with how God wants me to live my life? What happens when you and I find ourselves in a place that says, my desires do not align with God's desires for me? So that's the question we're going to deal with. So let me talk to you about Jonah. You only find him one other time in the Old Testament. It is in the book of 2 Kings chapter 14. He is identified as the prophet, the son of Amittai. This would be the 8th century BC. Um, he, uh, he is serving King Jeroboam II. He is an evil king. He did not do right in the eyes of God. And, and what we find that's unique about the prophet Jonah and the book that we're going to read together over these next few weeks is that in all the other prophetic books, they talk about this is the word of God and God speaks through the prophet. So in other words, I would say God spoke through his prophet Isaiah and said, I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. But not with Jonah. Jonah is the story about a prophet, not the words of a prophet. In fact, in the book of Jonah, there's only one prophecy, and it's one sentence. That's it. So today I'm going to read you the first chapter, which is very short. In fact, you can read the whole book in just a few minutes. It's very brief, but it's engaging, and you will be caught up in it with me. You ready? Here we go. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians are the dreaded enemies of Israel. You with me? I want you to go to your enemies. Go to the great city of Nineveh, meaning a large, vast city of Nineveh, and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. I'm very aware of how evil and wicked these people are. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Have you ever known of anybody who was running away from God? Have you ever run from God? 
And he headed for Tarshish, which is an awful word to say. I hate to say the word Tarshish. It was actually west, Nineveh is east. So Jonah just says, I'm going the opposite direction. He ran from God. He went down to Joppa, and down is significant. You'll see it many times. Where he found a ship that was bound for that port. Joppa was a seaport. And so after paying the fare, but it cost him a lot more than this, by the way. He went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. To flee from the Lord. He's running from God. I don't know any other way to say it. Jonah is on the run. And then the Lord sent a great wind. You'll see God's sovereignty throughout the book. For example, he has power over the wind and the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell off. To a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. He's having to tell Jonah to fulfill your religious responsibilities, right? Talk to God, would you? How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots. To find out who's responsible for this calamity. It was an ancient custom like rolling the dice. To find out who was responsible. So they cast lots and it fell to Jonah. And they asked him tell us who's responsible for making all of this trouble. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? He doesn't answer the first three questions. But he answers the last one. From what people are you? He answered I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make this sea calm down for us? Pick me up, he said, throw me into the sea. Jonah would rather be dead than to share the good news of God with the people of Nineveh. And it will be calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. But, but they didn't want to do it. So instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now this is Jonah's God they're praying to now. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Three days. And three nights. This is the word of the Lord for us today. My uh, friend called me and said, uh, pastor friend, there's a, there's a couple that's moved to southwest Oklahoma City. Uh, they're going to attend uh, a church there, but I really want you to meet them. 
They're Nazarene missionaries. It all didn't add up to me, but I thought when I meet them, I'll make sense of the story. And so last week, Annette and I drove down to southern part of Oklahoma City, and we got out of the car. My, my idea was that they were, you know, former missionaries to the Dominican, so I'm thinking they're an older, retired couple. Um, I'm not sure what it means that they're still missionaries today in the church, that they're living in Oklahoma City, but... Anyway, we get out of the car, and when we did, these two people start waving at us. They were young, younger than us, a lot younger than us. And we realized, well, this is them. They're, they're, they're young. And so we went in the restaurant, we sat down, we had lunch together, we told each other our stories. They have a fascinating story. They said, you know, we had a family business, and uh, the business was going Really, really well. And the pastor on the phone told me that they had a very successful family business. But but they left it because they believed that God was doing to them what he was doing in Jonah's life. He was saying, we want you to leave your family business and your home. And we want you to go to the Dominican Republic. And we want you to tell people there about my love for them. And so they left. They sold out and they left. They said, we, we, we left with four kids. It was a little bit of a surprise when we learned we were having a fifth kid. In a foreign country, but God worked it all out and everything was great. And we've been serving in the Dominican. We came home last June believing that we would return to the Dominican in another role. But God had another plan and the Church of the Nazarene has asked us to now be missionaries to the United States of America. Has it come to that? Has it? That now the Church of the Nazarene is saying, we need missionaries all over the world. We need them in the U.S. too. And so they said, God, whatever you want us to do, we'll do. Wherever you want us to go, we'll go. So so like Jonah, they have this calling on their life. God says go, but they get up and go. I have a friend named Jeffrey who is a district superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene in South Texas. And Jeffrey in the Houston area has learned that there are 150,000 Nigerians immigrated here from the country of Nigeria. In Houston, Texas alone, there are 150,000. And so he got on a plane and he flew over to West Africa, to Nigeria, and he spoke with the leaders of the church there and he said, we've got 150,000 Nigerians in Houston. We want to tell them how much God loves them, but we don't understand their culture. Would you send some missionaries from Nigeria over here to help us tell these people that God loves them? And so the leaders of the church said, this is the first time anything like this has ever happened. We've never had people come to the U.S. and ask for missionaries. They've always come to the U.S. from the U.S. to here. We will pray about sending missionaries to Houston. Can you imagine? Just God says go and they're going to get up and they're going to get on a plane and they're going to go and they're going to live in another place and they're going to tell people there how much God loves them. This, this is Jonah's calling. Do, do, do you realize what the central theme of Jonah is about? Here's what it's about. God loves all people. 
Well, what do you mean by all people? I think he's pretty much confident in the idea it's everybody. God loves everybody. And if you're in the room today and you're doubting whether or not God loves you, you can put that doubt to rest. God loves you. I remember standing right here a few months ago. And I love saying that God loves you and there's not a thing in the world you can do about it. God loves you. God loves everybody. And the central theme of Jonah is that God loves all people and he wants people like you and me to tell them so. That's the central theme of Jonah. God loves everybody, even your enemies. And he wants you and me to tell them that he loves them. That's the central theme of the book of Jonah. And so let's talk about the context, Israel, for a few minutes, okay? The nation of Israel is this nation that God has blessed. What does God say to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing to all people. I'm going to bless the whole world through you and your family, Abraham. The nation of Israel, you have a calling on your life. You have a purpose. I've got a job for you to do. I want you to tell the whole world that I love them. But Israel abdicates its responsibilities and says no. Many of these nations have become our enemies. We don't like them. What we really want you to do is destroy them. They're wreaking havoc in our lives. And on top of that, God, we're a little put out with the fact that you love our enemies. Are you okay with the fact that God loves your enemies? Because there isn't anybody that God doesn't love. And he wants you and me to tell them that he loves them. And so that brings us to Nineveh. This great, huge, massive city. It takes Jonah three days even to get through the city. But it is the capital of Assyria. The dreaded, constant dreaded enemies of Israel. And God says, Jonah, I want you to get up. I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to preach against it. Why? Because God loves everybody, even your enemies. God loves. There's nobody that God doesn't love. And God wants you and me to tell them that God loves them. And Jonah says, no. I don't want to go. I don't want to go because what if they repent and what if you forgive them? And then you won't destroy the city. So I'm not going. A once in a lifetime opportunity. To be a part of the work of God. To see a city and a nation change. And the guy that God calls says. I'm not willing to go. You you, you remember earlier. I, I talked to you about. How that. What happens when our. Desires do not alone with Align with God's desires. What, 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 what happens when what I want doesn't align with what God wants? Jonah's unwillingness to align with God takes him down as far as one can go. I don't think it was an accident that the author says he went down to Joppa. And I don't think it was an accident that he said he went down into the ship. And I don't think it was an accident that he went down into the sea. Nor was it an accident that he went down into the belly of the fish. 
When we are unwilling to align with God, it takes us down to a very low place. And and I don't have any doubt that there's somebody looking at me right now saying, Rick, I'll just tell you that a long time ago I made some decisions not to do it God's way. And it took me to a very low place. There was a time in my life when I knew what God's will was for me. God said, don't. And I said, I'm going to do it anyway. And it took me to a very low place. There was a time in my life when God was asking me to do something. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And it took me to a very low place. When we don't align ourselves with God's will, we often find ourselves in a very, very low place. And so he paid the fare, but he didn't realize how much it was actually going to cost him to not align with God. It always costs more when we don't align with God. I think sometimes we get this idea that God just doesn't want me to enjoy life. He doesn't want me to have fun. There's so many things God doesn't want me to do. And the truth is that God only says no when it's not good for you and me. The only time God says no is when it is not good for us. I don't know who said the words, but I really want you to lean in because I think they're powerful and I think they cause us to look deep within our own hearts. Every one of us is either in the caravan to Nineveh or on the boat to Tarshish. We're going God's way or we're going our own way. Let me read it again. Every one of us. So what I mean by that is I believe that every person in this room, I I don't think there is one exception. I believe that every person in this room is either in the caravan going to Nineveh or on the boat going to Tarshish. Every one of us are either going God's way or we've decided to go our own way. It makes us all stop and think. When I lived in Nashville... Quite a while ago, a guy named Fred Hoffman was a member of our church. Great guy. He wasn't a preacher, but I remember asking him one Sunday night, would he preach? And he did, and he did great. And he talked about Jonah, and he told a story about himself. And I want to tell you the story that he told about himself. He said, I was a young man. I was in business with a partner. I was dating a girl. We were getting pretty serious. And it just seemed like all of a sudden my life just kind of fell apart. My girlfriend and I, we couldn't get it together. We ended up breaking up. We were struggling, arguing. We finally just said, okay, you go your way, I'll go mine. He said, my heart was broken. He said, my business partner and I, we got sideways. It wasn't good. We disagreed. I felt like things weren't fair in the business. I expressed myself to him. He disagreed. Wasn't a, wasn't a good conversation. It didn't end well. So I go to my dad because I've always been able to go with my dad and I begin to share with my dad that my girlfriend was in the wrong, my business partner's in the wrong, but my dad didn't seem to take my side. So that really frustrated me. I remember going home one day and I just decided I'm out of here. I started packing a bag. Decided I was going to go hunting. I had some property down off I-40 between Nashville and Memphis. And just thought, I'm just going to go to the cabin. I'm going to get away from all these people who are not great people to be around anyway. 
And it's that I remember looking at my nightstand. And on my nightstand there was a Bible. My Bible. And I picked it up. I shook my head and I laid it back down. Because I felt like God was letting me down. And I decided, you're not going with me. He said, I got to the cabin. And on the very first day I was hunting. I was behind a duck blind. And some geese began to fly over. And I shot. And I hit one. And I retrieved the goose. He said, when I got the goose in my hand, I noticed that there was a tag on the leg of the goose. Just kind of looked at the tag thinking, I know what this is. Often the Department of Fish and Wildlife will tag animals to see their patterns or whatever. And that's probably what it is. And there's probably a number for me to call to report what I found or whatever to mail it in. He said, but that wasn't the case. Another group of people put the tag on the leg of the goose. It was, it was a group of Christian people in Canada. I take the tag off and I unroll it. And this little narrow piece of paper said these words. Cast all your cares on him. For he cares for you. And it cited the Bible verse. Fred said, I was emotionally overwhelmed. And I looked up to the sky and I said, are you kidding me? You sent a goose from Canada to tell me that you love me? It's truly what happens to Jonah. You heard the story a moment ago. They cast stuff overboard. They're trying their best to try to get things, you know. What are we going to do? Lots fell to Jonah. What should we throw me overboard? I'd rather die anyway than to tell the Ninevites that God loves them. You know, he's into the sea now. He's swallowed by a fish. And in the midst of all of that, He finds God, just like Fred found God in his low moment, just like you and I find God in our lowest moments. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And guess what he did? He answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths of the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Listen to his description. I said, I've been banished from your sight. I was running from you, God, but now I want to go back to your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. What a sight, right? To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit when my life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you. You are to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. And he finally says, what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. 
and read out loud with me, would you, in unison? And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Probably the only time we'll say vomited on Sunday morning. You're ahead of me, you're smart people. But you know what the point is here, don't you? So sometimes our will doesn't align with God's. And it takes us to a very low place. But if we call on God in our lowest moment, would you say it with me? He will hear us. And so if your story is, I've been running from God, Rick. I've been running. I know what God wants for me, but I've been wanting something else. I know the life God wanted me to live, but I've been trying to live it another way. I know what God wanted me to do, but I've been doing other things. And it's brought me to a low place. Let me tell you this morning, when you call on the Lord, he will hear you. He will hear you. There's all kinds of hope because there's Jesus. Do you know that Jesus identified himself with Jonah? In Matthew 12, 40, here's what he says. For as Jonah was in the three days and three nights in the belly of the large fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And Jonah being out of the fish is like Jesus being out of the grave. It's the comparison. So you move from despair to hope. You move from darkness to light. And so Jesus today stands before us saying, I'm here to offer you hope. I'm here to bring you out of the grave where you've been buried. I'm here to raise you to a new life. So I want to pray with you before we go. Haven't said this for a while, but with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I guess I'm just wanting you to find a moment of prayer and intimacy with God. This may be one of those days where instead of coming forward, but you're always welcome to come forward. There might be several who would say, I want to renew a commitment to God today right where I am. And so, Father, if that is where people are today, I know that you will hear them when they call out to you. I know, Lord, that you will answer their prayer when they say, Lord, forgive me. I know that you will help them to align with what you want for their lives. And so this is what I ask you to do in Jesus' name. As the sign of Jonah to the early church was a sign of hope. Let it be a sign of hope for us today in Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
opportunity to gather together with one another and to worship his holy and precious name. Amen. Thankful for God's constant pursuit of us. He loves us more than anything. And God longs for us to be aligned with his will. So as we leave this place today, we do so with an eye on what the Lord wants for our lives, what he wants us to do as we leave today. And Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your will for each and every one of us. Thankful, God, that you can meet with us right where we are and your love continues to pursue us and chases us down. We love you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming today. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.